I had never really read a, a script that, um, got into the details of what it's like to just be a woman every day um, in such a way that felt like it really just cut through everything. Um, and I think it also, there were some personal themes to me in terms of the commodification of female bodies that just felt like something I really wanted to be a part of and something I wanted to bring to life on screen. There's a lot of scary moments, a lot of, um, humor and comedic relief and the entire time making fresh to me it was all about towing that line between the two and making sure there was a balance of you know in one moment you're gasping in another moment you're kind of laughing there's uncomfortable moments where maybe you find it funny but you're not sure why and I think as soon as you get into that type of film with that type of tone you know you're onto something and you know you're gonna strike a chord with people so um yeah so that's what I really found um there wasn't a title sequence written into the script so I knew it was kind of up to me to figure that out and um as we were going, it was pretty clear that the movie, the movie's first act was really different than the rest of the film. And so it was a nice visual way to separate and sort of bring the audience along with us and say, okay, you thought you were watching this and now you're gonna come into this new film and, and sort of give it a moment for people to quote unquote, digest sort of the moment they just saw and what they're about to see. So yeah, that, it felt like a perfect moment. And we, we tested a few different things, but that was the one that hit the hardest. Do you live around here? Because I, I live on aisle six. I just come to the fruit section to talk to random, very good looking people that stand near it. That was terrible. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SpeakAllEvilPod. Next week is Kat's Spider Week. <laughs> yes. Very exciting. We're going to be checking out Arachnophobia, the classic from 1990, which is a VOD right now, unless you have Fubo, and something I've never seen before, Ooh. Eight-Legged Freaks. You're in for a treat. 2002. That's on Netflix right now, or uh, Cheap VOD. This week is my week once again, and I'm very excited to talk about these two movies. Uh, we're going to start with a brand new movie, uh, Hulu exclusive right now, called Fresh. This uh, just premiered at Sundance in January, got picked up by Searchlight Pictures, and bang, right to Hulu. Quick turnaround. I love to see that. A lot of times we, we're like watching the progress of these movies that we want to see as they make the film festival rounds, and we're waiting forever for somebody to pick them up and put them on streaming or put it in the theater or do something with it. Uh, and it, it can take forever sometimes. So not the case with Fresh. Got turned around real quick. This is a first-time feature director, Mimi Cave, and I believe a first-time feature film writer in Lauren Kahn. This is the story of a young woman named Noah. She's out there on the dating apps, having a time of it like you do on those things. Uh, the movie opens with a typical, like, terrible dating app date. 
Um, she's feeling pretty down about it. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she meets a guy, IRL, at the grocery mm, store. cute. In the produce section. Cute guy, charming guy, funny guy. I would I would have given this guy my number if I, if I was Noah. This is Steve. Um, they hit it off immediately. It's like a passionate kind of torrid immediate affair. Next thing you know, he's taking her away for the weekend to a secret surprise location. Hmm. Guess what happens when you go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Having told you all that, um, you probably have some idea where this goes. I love this movie. This is what I want to see. New faces, not just in front of the camera, but new faces behind the camera. New faces in the director's chair, in, in the writer's room. I love seeing like something so fresh. Um, that has original ideas, that has things that I haven't seen before. You know, it calls to mind lots of different things, of course, but I thought this was really something new and something different. It touches on a, on a lot of themes, of course, that we're familiar with. Um, great performances in this. Uh, Daisy Edgar-Jones plays Noah. She's like a 23-year-old actress. I'm not familiar with her. Sebastian Stan plays Steve. Um, Jonica T. Gibbs plays Noah's best friend Molly. And Charlotte LeBon plays uh, Anne Kemp, Steve's mm. wife. Um Love this movie. Great one. Easy watch. Impeccable soundtrack. There's a lot to like about this movie. Interested to see what you guys thought. I thought this one was a fucking banger. Yeah. Uh, absolutely Ooh. loved it. I Well, you start off really like em- empathetic. What's that? <laughs> Harbinger. Oh, Harbinger. Fuck. <laughs> Empathizing. Why can I not Talking say time. Empathizing? <laughs> <laughs> Words with Fuck. cat. You start off really empathizing with this girl, or at least I did, uh, because dating sucks, especially as a grown-ass woman in the in the technology-laden uh, dating world. So you go through all this stuff, and you finally like meet a guy, you know, spontaneously, and you want to make it work really bad. Um, so I understand that. Uh, luckily for me, mine hasn't tried to cut off any of my limbs yet, so that's been working out well for me so far. I've got that going. Playing a long game. Yeah, it's, yeah. this is definitely the long con. I'm waiting for the <laughs> for the Patrick Bateman to come out. Um, Sebastian Stan is so good at playing this like American Psycho yes. role. Yeah, very Bateman. He's only ever been in you know he's in Pam and Tommy, which he was good in. He was in the Marvel movies, but like I feel like this is really showing. His his acting chops, um, and he was just so good at it. Uh, there's this one scene where he's like lying in bed and like being all like cute, ha ha ha, and then he catches a glimpse like of his eye in a mirror, and you just see that it's like dead inside. And in that moment, you're like, oh shit, like it's all downhill from here. He is definitely a master manipulator, obviously. Uh, but what I loved is that Noah like then turned into a master manipulator herself. So Mm. I feel like that was probably like my favorite character arc I've seen in a while because she starts off as like this timid person who won't tell off her Tinder, her shitty Tinder date, um, but then turns into just like badass bitch. Um, This is a, I think it was just an awesome mix of psychological and body horror. I think it just kind of went together perfectly. I feel like I could talk about it for forever. It was a pleasure to watch. Definitely my favorite horror movie of the year so far. This is great. I agree with everything Trent said. It's awesome to see new people. Like, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for, like, Mimi Cave. This reminded me a little bit of um, of Raw. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, first time 
feature female director. Uh, I love the fact that it was written by Lauren Kahn that you mentioned, Trent. Like, and it was produced by Adam McKay, and he's like a big SNL guy. Will Ferrell. Uh, he just did the Netflix movie Don't Look Up. Uh, he directed that. Oh. Uh, so it's interesting. A lot of comedy people oh, behind okay. the scenes on this, and they definitely it is. You know, we're calling it a horror movie. I would say it's a rom com for thirty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a real good rom com. Yeah. I'm a hey. I'm a horror fan. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. I love me a good rom-com. <laughs> like, you give me, like, a nice one fine day, I'm in. You give right. me Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, I'm there. My I'm ass is in the seat. <laughs> and this is great. But, Kat, you're right. Like, it's just, like, slightly off kilter. It, like, keeps you off balance just enough where you're like, oh, this is so cute, but why are the arms on my, the hair on my arms standing up? Uh, and then it flips on its head, and it gets very dark horror comedy, I would say. Um, Sebastian Stan, yes. All of the uh, actors in this give unbelievable performances. And you can tell that the writer and the director were in sync. You can tell that the actors were in sync with the director. Everybody is having a good time, even in the most grotesque scenes. So it is a fun watch. I I didn't love the third act. I I don't. I'll I'll get into that a little bit maybe later with some of like probably my own only critiques of the movie. Um, But just like really, I mean, I was laughing out loud at times in scenes that I don't think that you would necessarily typically laugh out loud at. But Sebastian Stan went full into this role and he had me pissing myself in in certain (laughs) scenes on this. And like we're watching it now and it's just it's it's so, so enjoyable. Uh, Trent, you mentioned the music spot on soundtrack. And it blew me away that the guy that did the composition for this is a guy named Alex Summers who has done a bunch of C.U. Rose albums, uh, and he was the partner of Jonesy, who's the singer of C.U. Rose, uh, for many years. They split up in 2019, uh, but he has like a really cool musical background, and it kind of blew my mind that he did this like quirky 2022 kind of horror comedy rom-com film uh, in Fresh. But no, I, I love this. Uh, definitely a recommend for sure. You guys talked about the tone of this. I think that's like a a major part of this is the tone. This is so interesting to me because this type of movie, I feel like more often than not, when we see this kind of scenario, it's more like a martyrs kind of play. This could have been played deadly, deadly serious. It's such a it's such a horrible, awful, gut wrenching beyond situation. But it's not, it's not played that way. It's played with this tone that I think is hard to strike. We talked about that with teeth. I think it's really hard to do uh, such awful things like this and, and do it in this like kind of a cheeky tone where, <laughs> I mean, people aren't even necessarily that upset at what's happening. They're they're sort of resigned to their fates. You know, there's like not that much you can do about you know being chained up somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought it was really clever the way that it did that, and I think it, it says a lot about the actors in this that they were able to keep that tone. It never feels wrong. It just everybody feels it. It seems normal. It almost seems natural, like you are actually watching you know these people in the situation. The character arcs are very believable. They bring you along with them and. You know, when I was thinking about this after I watched it the first time, I was like, am I am I upset? Because, like, after my first watch, you know, and again, like, I don't love the way they wrap it up. Because, Trent, you talk about the tone. I feel like they abandon in the last, like, 15 minutes, like, any sort of, like, quirky tone. And they just go, like, okay, let's just go full-on action, kind of a little bit cliche, horror 
Um, but after I watched it the first time, I was like, am I upset that this is largely like a single setting horror movie? After you get past like the rom-com phase, this pretty much takes place in one setting and it's very closed off. And you meet, you know, Steve's wife eventually. I was like, did I want more backstory? And then I watched it a second time and I was like, eh, I kind of don't. I like what they were going for here. Like you could have, if there was a sequel to this, I can very easily see it going like the Hostel 2 route where it's like, what is this situation? What are the backstories of our antagonists? Well, I, I think like, though you have to have what you find out about Steve's wife, Anne. You, you have to have that. Yeah. that ha- that's part of the story. It it's, fits into Noah's story. Exactly. Yeah. That it, I think that did just enough. Like it just kind of gave you a taste of like it didn't explicitly say, you know, this is what happened, like A, B, C, D. But you were just kind of like, oh, fuck. But there was also like, you know, I like this director's style, um, like the the cut-ins of the other diners. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it sort of like it hinted at like a larger organization or... You know, like a syndicate. Society. Yeah, syndicates yeah. the word. A, a much like better a squid word. Squid game kind of vibe. Yeah, uh, but you're right. Like all of that, like hinting, gave you like just enough. Uh, and I think it would have maybe cheapened the movie a little bit uh, if it had taken you out of this single setting where you are completely focused on character arc. And there's only five characters. Trent, you failed to mention uh, Paul, the bartender who plays a very key role in this. Um, sure. I mean, I wasn't going to... Yeah, there's also a cab driver. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, th- that gave me kind of, like, get-out vibes. Um, like the end? The movie did... Well, her <laughs> directing style actually reminded me... Um, I think she's probably... I didn't find anything with Mimi Cave. Um, I bet she's a big Jordan Peele fan. I think you're seeing his influence in horror a lot more in the last couple of years since, like, he took kind of took over with, like, Get Out and Us. Um, obviously, Nope coming up. Uh, and his influence, obviously, on Candyman. Um, but I, I, I typically, that would bug me. I would want more backstory. But I was so enamored with the performances and the little hints, like you said, that it was, like, just enough that I was like, ah, okay. I think it would have been a detriment to take me out of the moment and get me be hammering me over the head, you know, with like obvious, obvious backstory things. The the wife with like uh, the half leg. She was the first Noah or she was the last Noah. Exactly. Yeah, where he was right? like, oh, I, I you know, what? I'm not going to kill you all the way. I'm just going to take that one thing and then like, let's make some babies. That's let's kinda, like make a home together. Yeah. And he, he gives that whole speech about like the how amazing it is to give yourself so completely to someone, um, you know? And so like his, his wife, you know, his wife is really bonded to him in a way that I, I, I know no couple ever in my life that is bonded in quite that way. Mm. And, you don't know what happens behind closed um, doors, man. Yeah. And like, she's kind of hobbled. She's, you know? <laughs> it reminds me of like the office when uh, Dwight shoots, like you can get like five quarter pounders out of a horse <laughs> without killing pony. it. Yeah. <laughs> Sears, Sears said no. Probably my favorite scenes are any uh, any scene in the movie involving dancing. Oh man, great! Uh, the dancing scenes yeah. are so good, so good, like so close to being like over the top. Uh, yeah. Very Patrick Bateman, like you mentioned, Cat, like very uh, Jared Leto. Um, the Bateman scene from that. That that's um, really important, I think, to the whole movie for me because a lot of times 
you know, it spends it spends some time on the courtship between Noah and and Steve, what seems like a legitimate courtship, and that's a, for me a lot of times that's a checkout point in a movie. Like, all right, I got to watch this whole, you know, it, like a lot of times it's just like not that convincing and it's stilted and silly and weird and like you know it's Cameron Diaz and like I don't know, it's just it's kind of hard <laughs> to buy sometimes, but. I th- the courtship in this, I thought, was so realistic. Like, I enjoyed, like, their banter with each other. Like, that's a cringe moment in so many movies. Like, they're trying to do this phony banter, and you're like, oh, my God, this is killing me. But it's done so well here. I thought it really had a ring of truth to it. The dancing scenes, so good mm. early, and then later, also, the the last one is, oh, like... Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I, I watched <laughs> um, Sebastian Stan's audition tape of him oh. doing the dancing oh, in yeah. the he's, kitchen with, he while he's he like did the dancing because they weren't convinced that like yeah. that was an important part of who they cast in the role yeah right? and the audition tape was just as good as the original as as the final product it was just i don't know i'm like obsessed with sebastian stan now it's cool it's cool too it just reminded me as we're watching it the credits don't roll for 33 minutes in the movie yes longest oh cold my open God. ever yeah. I don't think we've ever <laughs> seen a cold because you forget you forget that you haven't seen it and then all of a sudden it's like fresh and I'm like yeah. oh and it's right at like the turn yes mm-hmm. I mean we all knew that turn I was imagining you guys watching it the same way as me like as soon as you're at the 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 surprise quote unquote location and you're handed a drink like, I mean, we all know where that's going. We've seen it a thousand times. Um, I did like the way he he keeps making her guess. Like, do you know what, what that citrus thing? So yeah, so good. She has to so keep, good. And she keeps sipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of movies, like, they take one sip and then oh, they're on the floor. Like, wait a minute, it would take a few minutes. Yeah, you know, I got to drink a little more than that. This there's movie a, really pays attention to every little detail. There's a lot of things like that in the movie. Like, there's a ton of close-ups of mouths. Yeah, sort of hinting at yeah. not just the premise but also something that's going to happen later in the movie. Um, And at one point, she's asking him like about his diet, and he specifically says, I don't eat animals. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's really a lot of attention paid to every little detail in this, and that that all adds up, you know? It makes you believe it. Kat, I was going to tell you tonight that um, I think you'd look good in a dress. There were so many red flags about that shitty fucking dude but i've also like had to hear all that shit in real life i'm just like it was the minute i'm sorry the minute you're going on a first date with someone and they tell you oh just you know it's cash only to this place like you get the feeling that that's why she's so open to this next date well yeah yeah i mean that first date was so bad it sets up the vulnerability perfectly but i mean the guy i mean the second that you show up in chad's and his scarf dipping his fucking scarf scarf and his noodle he's like taking her leftovers jacking the leftovers oh my god and then like and then she immediately like gets a dick pic from someone else you know what i mean it's just there's a reason that she happily ignores yeah. a thousand red flags <laughs> to you know, yeah. get to bang that Sebastian opening date Stan. with chad uh if i you know if honestly if i didn't have lady friends if i'm watching that if i'm just living in a little bubble i would think that that opening date with chad was way too much like overdone like that would never like i get your point but you're you're trying too hard like that's too exaggerated. Like that would never happen in real oh, life. But oh, I know Trent. for a fact oh. it happens. You all silly that's, bitch. That's tame. Real. That's tame. In real life, Chad probably would have kept texting her a shitty thing. Yeah, exactly. He would have just yeah, called yeah. her a stuck-up bitch and walked off. You were ugly anyway. I didn't even like you. Yeah. <laughs> I know that that's routine. To me, it seems like too over the top. 
but I know that it's routine for some people. Oh my god! And then the the end you up text. Oh, so oh good. Jack my comes god. back at the very end. I love that last touch before the credits. Oh man! I will say, uh, with the um, bartender character, it was probably the most realistic of what I would do in a horror nope. movie situation. He's like, absolutely not. He just yeah. like turns around. I'm like, yes, run away. Well, you're thinking he's going to end up like uh, like the TSA dude from Get That's Out. That's what I thought. Like, and then he's just like, hard nope. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm curious about a couple of things. Like one, was that like totally intentional? Like, let's have the friends because her, her best friend mm-hmm. has something happen that doesn't typically happen to like the best friends yeah. in, in movie of, of the female uh, protagonist. And then Paul, the bartender guy, uh, definitely does something. So I'm curious, like, where her inspirations were for that. I'm also wondering, since we just talked about the the opening scene, that struck me as, like, a short film, like a very specific idea. And I'm wondering if, like, where, like, Lauren Kahn's uh, inspiration was for this movie. And if it's sort of, like, if that was, like, a catalyst, like, something that, that sort of inspired the entire thing to go on, or if... Uh, it was just a byproduct of uh, here's an idea I have and I need to kind of flesh out this story. But th- th- that opening scene, like you said, Trent, like uh, could have been over the top, but I think it was like perfectly done. Uh, when Noah gets the first text from from Steve, finally, after she's given him her number at the grocery store, and then when she gets the text, it shows her walking down the street and you hear the bing and she looks at the phone. The look on her face is so good. It's so That's pure. what you look like when you get the text. That is yeah. exactly what you look like. And then she puts the phone back in her pocket and she's like, she's just going to float through the rest of this day now. She has heard from Steve. Mm. Again, just another small note that's like, was so believable. I don't know. The, the very passive way that he's just like, I'm going to take you away somewhere secret. And then he's like, oh yeah, traffic's kind of crappy. Let's just go to my place for like a night. Then we'll go. Yeah, well, you know. Also, there's no cell service. <laughs> well, he says when he gets when they get to the house, there will be. Oh, the Wi-Fi's down again. Yeah, again. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was a really terrifying when Noah, when it's it's revealed to Noah, you know what she's actually got into. I thought one of the scariest scenes was when Steve says, "I'm going to tell you." but you're going to freak out <laughs> yeah. to be that helpless. And somebody says that to you, you're totally confused. You don't know what's happening. And someone says, I'm going to tell you, but you're going to freak out. Yeah. You're like probably thinking like, I, this is a horrible way to put it, but like garden variety <laughs> psycho yeah. shit. I am now a sex slave or yeah. I am like this. You're, you're net probably never thinking, Oh, that, but, but yeah. there's the uh, connoisseur like delicacy part of it. Yes. That is really cool that she like taps into with him. And they have this bond through her being open to trying human flesh. And uh, it, it's so delicious. He saves the breast you, for last. Oh. <laughs> that slice of breast meat. Oh, my God. That was I was not like chicken breast. I mean, like a slice of boob meat. That the, the, the way that slice looked was a That's little what I was wondering. too real for my How? taste, so to speak. So they cut, uh-huh. did they cut it like... It seemed like it was... Yeah, because I was trying to. I had to pause like an, it. I seem like, like they sliced it like an onion, sort of. Like. Yeah, like they lobbed the boob off first, yeah. and, and then, then beep, 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 yeah. beep, like an onion ring. So if something like this happens to me, and I send you guys a text that's like mad out of pocket and it doesn't make any sense, are you guys gonna like 
Realize. We're gonna pull. We're gonna pull a Paul. We're gonna get there. Hear like gunshots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope. We're gonna be we're like, not, yeah, just gonna Dave. be like, oh, Dave's all high. At it again. Like Who knows? <laughs> I don't want to get involved. In that. I'll tell you that. We're, well, you've told so many stories on the show where we're gonna sit there and go, yeah, he deserved it. Like, I, <laughs> he they squashed the mouse. The come get me. Like, <laughs> well, that's one of the other I think main parts of the movie is the friendship between Noah and her best friend Molly. The, the reason, the only reason that uh, Noah has any chance at all is because they have such a close friendship that when Molly gets like, all, all it takes is like two fake texts and she knows it's not Noah because they have this whole thing that they do. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Like to, it was such a subtle thing, but you you know how, what your friend texts like. I could and tell, you get I, a I weird would text, tell within like a couple texts from you. Yeah, right. Like, that's you know not what Trent. people sound like. Like this person sounds nice or something. Yeah, like, and he just like sends <laughs> like... The- <laughs> well, this person's not being a dick. That can't be Trent. Yeah, wow. That was that was, that was was three sentences. That's way too long. <laughs> Did anybody catch... Um, speaking of the soundtrack we mentioned, which I love, it's so impeccable. It makes sense. I, I hadn't looked into it, but it's so impeccable. Did any, anybody catch during... During their first dinner between Noah and Steve after the reveal, when they first have their their uh, flesh meal together, mm-hmm. my half, favorite my favorite radio song. halfway radio through, song. yes, it switches to this like spare um, string arrangement of exit music for it's a my film. Favorite radio from song. Yeah. OK Computer. That's pro- might be it's one of mine for sure. Yeah, maybe not the one now, but when OK Computer first came out, like that was the track. That just completely buried me. I would listen to it like 10 times yeah, a day. Yeah, so good. And I think that was supposed to be for a movie that never- I think Romeo and Juliet. Never came out, I think. No, I think it was right? supposed to be for the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, the um, oh, Claire Danes, like Leo DiCaprio one. Oh, really? I think. Hmm. Sebastian Stan, you mentioned, um, I think, like Pam and Tommy in the Marvel series. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quite a bit older than Daisy Edgar-Jones, who I can't wait to see where she goes because she's fantastic in this. Uh, he got his start in horror. You must remember The Covenant had like all the dream boys from like the early 90s. And he was in, he was ter- in that? Yeah, he oh. was in a terrible horror movie called The Apparition. So oh, like well. a lot of people, he cut his teeth in some. Sebastian Stan week coming up. Cat's <laughs> yeah. next pick. Yeah, forget Spider. We're going <laughs> Sebastian. Did anybody notice when Molly, Noah's best friend, is researching this guy? She's trying to find out who this guy is. When she finds his uh, wife's Facebook page, Ann Kemp, and she's scrolling through, did you see that there's a Blue Lives Matter flag? Oh, on the page? stop. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another nice touch. I just love it. Yeah, I think this movie just kind of reiterates that people who have way, way, way too much money are usually uh, pretty shitty and uh, don't care about um, their All your bodies. rich friends are eating people. <laughs> All of them, probably. I mean, I would. Listen. Noah, never met a... Oh, God. <laughs> huh? Huh? I have no idea yeah. what that was. All right, my next pick for this week is the 1983 little-known masterpiece called 
Blood Beat. <laughs> Sorry. This is on Shutter right now. Also free on Tubi. And I think this is one that you won't find a ton of ads if you have to watch this on Tubi. If you don't have Shutter, I still recommend watching Blood Beat. Um, I think this came to the only reason I think I know about this movie. I found it on Instagram actually, but I think the reason that people who are like uh, horror nerds now know about Bloodbeat is because this company called Vinegar Syndrome released it on DVD and Blu-ray with a 4K restoration and a commentary track in 2017. I love Vinegar Syndrome. They're a, um, a company dedicated to the um, restoration, preservation, and distribution of genre film. Um, they've only been around for about 10 years. They're founded in 2012. They're uh, based in Connecticut, and they have about 500 titles of movies that they've kind of like pulled off the trash heap saved yeah that they've saved and 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 put out high quality um physical copies of that you can get or then that leads to like streaming platforms and stuff so well with, with, with yeah. vinegar syndrome too like their people are such rabid fans of theirs that they will literally just scoop up any movie that they put out yeah whether or yeah, not they've yeah. ever seen it it's like it's become a very niche thing in the genre yeah like, yeah check out vinegarsyndrome.com and just like for an idea of the kind of stuff that they're like saving i think it's so noble and uh and i'm, I'm so thankful that now i'm a big fan of Bloodbeat. um this was written and directed by a mysterious frenchman named fabrice something or other it's a tough one <laughs> Fabrice Ong Zafaratus. Wow, oh, good one. That's fine. Um, this is uh, shot on 35 millimeter, but accidentally shot on full screen because apparently, according to the commentary track, <laughs> the uh, the director of photography, the DP, or whoever it was, um, thought that it was a TV movie. So he shot it on, on full screen. So when you watch it, as we're watching it right now, you can see that it's not shot on widescreen. Um, takes away nothing, in my opinion. This is a story of Sarah and Ted... Sarah is Ted's new girlfriend, and he's bringing her home for the holidays to meet his family. His mom, Kathy, I think of as low-budget Shelley Duvall from The Shining. <laughs> yep, 100%. 100%. Her, her boyfriend, Gary, um, Ted's sister, Dolly, and uh, Uncle Peter. Um, as soon as uh, Ted and Sarah arrive, there seems to be something between Sarah and the mom, Kathy, uh, there's some there's something unspoken going on between them, and Sarah immediately starts talking about how she feels a strange force. She feels like Kathy is like in her head. She feels like Kathy is watching them at all times and knows what they're doing. Kathy spends most of her time in her artist studio doing all these like bizarre impressionistic and abstract paintings and stuff. Um, they go on a little hunting trip. Of course, Sarah spoils the trip by screaming out before the deer is shot, so the deer can get away. Um, uh, a strange, a maimed, unidentified maimed man appears in the woods, and things start going downhill from there as a mysterious shadowy figure starts murdering neighbors and uh, and others. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of, like, psychic. There's two different psychics in this movie. <sighs> there's telekinesis. There's fire starting. There's uh, samurais. There's World War II. There's sex. <laughs> There is writhing poltergeist, uh, poltergeist, uh, exorcist, sexual exorcist possessions going on. There's a lot of boobs. Um, there is cowgirl. There is everything you want in a horror movie. <laughs> I love, love, love this movie. I'm excited to see what everybody thought. Mm. Well, I, I like this movie. I liked it when I described it to someone else because <laughs> I was like, I watched this movie and then they were like, what was that movie like? And I was like, oh, man, this movie sucked. And then I said what the movie was, and I realized that it did not suck. Yeah? <laughs> um, 
because it's so wildly over the top. I thought it could have been a prequel to uh, Guinea Pig that we watched in the trilogy of film. <laughs> yeah, could have been the same uh, samurai. Yeah, there was a samurai. <laughs> uh, there was some like crazy like like animation almost reminded me of House that we talked about. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, just, just crazy. Uh, although now I did, uh, I got a little bored in some parts, but and I thought it was a little bit long, and uh, I liked that it involves so many different aspects of horror. It, it, it was supernatural. It was uh, slasher. You know, slasher. It was uh, erotic. Yeah, erotic. <laughs> Very erotic. Possession. I'm glad that I get to talk about this before Kat because I, I feel like I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to steal your thunder. That's fine. And steal I away. Like is, I feel like this is how you would start your take on this movie. Okay. You guys, this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. This fucking movie. <laughs> I want to thank Trent for having me watch this movie. Oh, you're welcome. I will never watch it again. <laughs> But much like I'm not quite like at the vinegar syndrome level yet where like I don't have like an alert set where every time something is found on Blu-ray, I just buy it and like because I have to. But have doesn't like it make pit. you want to be a Blu-ray guy kind of I mean, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but this is not one that I would ever want on my shelf because I would never put it on for friends. I w- if you're a massive horror nerd and like Dave said, this is, is early 80s and it's kitchen sink. But God, this movie is drugs. Yeah, it's drugs. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's barely a horror movie. Barely a horror movie. Oh, I... For throwing so many elements of horror in it, there are more scenes focused on camouflage pants hunting in the woods <laughs> than there are horror scenes. However, I never would have stumbled across this unless Trent was our friend. Mm-hmm. And I never would have gotten to see everything that he just talked about, like samurais and boobs and weird terrible special effects hands so many jazz hands in this so many jazz hands like this definitely out of any a non-musical horror movie this has the most jazz hands of of any other horror movie uh absolutely terrible acting this is a lot like the mutilator where Mm. you never see any of these people pop up on anything other than the cinematographer who went on to do a whole bunch of like kinky shit uh nobody else in this in this movie really went on to do anything uh, Ang Zafaratos, the director and writer, uh, mysteriously, the music was done by somebody named Fabrice Zafaratos and Chris Zafaratos. The movie was produced by Henry Zafaratos, so mm, this a was an affair. inside gig. Yeah. Uh, the 4-3 ratio is so, it's so <laughs> jarring. Like, for you to say, Trent, that it didn't take away from the experience. I didn't think it's so. It's so jarring. And the fact that you get, like, halfway through making a movie and the director and, and like, the DP were like, oh, we're not making a, a, a made-for-TV movie? You've already shot like 17 minutes of nudity and you thought this was like going to be on like channel six at like noon maybe um everything about this movie is wrong and that's why it works and why it is a it's it's a as a horror nerd you have to watch this at least one time and who knows maybe you'll maybe you'll buy the vinegar syndrome cult classic you know kevin makes a really good point there are a lot of weeks where you know i haven't seen either of the movies and so i get excited that I am, you know, in this great environment where you guys, you know, force me to watch all these things and I would absolutely never put on on my own. And I did have that realization this week. I was like, oh, I'm excited. You know, I watched Fresh. I was like, oh, awesome. I'm so glad I watched that. Time for Bloodbeat. 
Um, (laughs) Buckle up. Buckle up, buckaroo. Um, I warned you. I I don't know if you warned me enough for what I had to endure. Anytime I say uh, you're in for a real treat. That's a I, warning. I think I, I think know. you're being like, guys, I really love this movie. I can't I wait for you to watch it. Well, no, I'm like, Trent's ready to challenge us. <laughs> I feel like there's not a lot I could say about this movie that hasn't already been said um, in the last five minutes. Uh, it was just fucking bonkers. This movie made no sense at all. I struggled through this one because I just had no idea what was going on. Um... You know, there's the samurai murdering people. Then there's a the ghost slash poltergeist. Then there's the psychic mom. Then there's the psychic girlfriend. Psychic girlfriend. <laughs> then there's a psychic brother, brother and, sister. and sister. Then yeah. jazz hands. The Wonder jazz. Twins. And then there's the random man that we never even find out who he was. He's just randomly nope. impaled in the woods. And then there's as Trez at World War Two. Literally, you never. There's that weird scene with the mom when she's doing her her um jazz hands that are illuminated by scribbled on I don't even know color. how to describe that effect. What, I, what is that I don't effect? know. It reminds me of like an MS Paint. Like I've definitely done that in like high school. It like, me of like Atari. Yeah, I was like sprucing up like a school project or something and that's that's what came about. Um, so there's that moment when she's, you know, uh, talking to the samurai ghost and then the scenes of World War II come up and she's like, I thought we we had it handled or something. Like, what happened? They don't even say, did she betray a samurai in World War II? Did she make a deal with someone? You never know. Drugs. They don't care that you don't know. And then it just goes to more psychic stuff and then the fire and then like the... Then all of a sudden she's got samurai makeup on and she's the samurai. I don't know. It was just so comically bad. Mm. that I appreciate it for what it is. Um, it absolutely, I had very much thoughts that this was a made-for-TV movie. So it makes sense that that's why, because of the square. It yeah, makes but way sense. too much sex for, um, we're looking okay, at boob right but now. I'm, okay, but yeah, but yeah, pre-boob, I mean, there's like 15 right minutes of pre-boob that... You're like, oh, was this a? Ma-? And she was just so mean to her husband, her, her not husband. Sorry, she made that very clear. Her boyfriend, Gary. Gary's just out there. Oh, you I know, loved Gary. He's just trying to get her food on the table. He's just trying to catch yeah. some, you know, some deer and yeah. mare and wife her up. And she's like, "Fuck you, Gary." It just, yeah. you know, I, don't I loved know. Gary's whole Ga- speech. Gary, yeah. Gary was is one of the actors that actually has other movies on his IMDb. And guess what? One of the titles is what? My Samurai. No. I, I feel like this movie is like when I offer my dad pad thai. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? what the hell is this? What the hell is this? crazy. I would, give, me a, give me a ham. Like, because it's like ham. these rednecks against, you know, like uh, this really vague, anonymous uh, Japanese culture of the samurai, which they don't really go in depth at all about the scene. Yeah. You know not, you don't even, just, you meet characters that die in this movie and you just met them like who is the fucking guy in bed the neighbor with the hat on that's my favorite that's yelling scene. at his wife to get him dinner and then orange he juice. never mentioned orange juice and then she goes like this is also the first time i've ever seen someone make powdered orange juice in a fucking movie like, i know i i <laughs> that, that whole was sequence i was but you can't it's like a car crash 
I can't was look like, away. I can't stop watching. I that. literally couldn't because I had to watch it for this fucking podcast. <laughs> that was my favorite scene. The neighbors get it early on. And they're on it. It's a waterbed. First off, the guy. That's <laughs> what know, I. It's, it's a, he walks Dinner across the waterbed. Walks across his waterbed. He gets into bed not only with his robe on, but with his trucker hat on. He's got a large husky dog like on top of him, and he's reading the paper. And then he gets the big tray with a giant ceramic teapot, all balanced on the waterbed, Just wobbling. <laughs> it's so bad. And, and then the samurai takes him out. <sighs> Why is it called Bloodbeat? Oh, Trent, Trent, regale Trent, us. please well, tell us. According to the director, Bloodbeat refers to the accelerated heartbeat you feel when you are high on drugs, which he was when he wrote and filmed a lot of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's very fucking apparent. What, what, do, what does that have to do with the movie? Nothing. He just <laughs> Like he every just scene in the movie, well, nothing. No, there's, there are scenes in the movie where you hear the Bloodbeat, dum 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 that's a heartbeat. Oh, sorry. Is that, that come in? That's is that blood um, before or after the? Is that before or after the the mystical boinging? That oh, was my, the in subtitles the sub- on this <laughs> are mystical are boinging. Mystical yeah, boing. boinging. Um, my favorite possession I've ever seen when when Sarah is in the throes of her possession, <sighs> it, it manifests like you mean she's masturbating? in bed like the, like the Exorcist, you know. But instead of just being like the Exorcist, she is uh, she's spread eagle. And with her pelvis lifted just up in thrusting. the air, like she's she's having sex with an invisible demon is what it mm-hmm. looks like. And it goes on for a long time, the whole time. Yep. Like he's killing the campfire, uh, the campfire guys. Love that scene. Again, yeah. just randos. <laughs> just in the woods having a fire. Yeah, were they like hobos? What were they doing? We don't know. It's a drugged uh, up excuse me. French director making a 80s horror movie set in Wisconsin. Hobos is not... Cat. I don't think it's a term. Let's, let's, let's move on. What are you oh. talking? Hobo's oh, not wow. a derogatory term. Uh, I don't think hobo is. I'm, I'm not sure that uh, people go, that rifle hunters and bow hunters go hunting at the same time in a group. I, I think like bow hunters hunt either by themselves or with other bow hunters and then rifle hunters hunt with rifle hunters. In this movie, the bows and the rifles, they all they all just go out in the woods and like see what they could shoot. I can't. I can't speak to that. But knowing this movie, I, I don't know. They just seem to really enjoy hunting. There's like no enthusiasm shown by any of the characters other than Ted trying to have sex with Sarah and them hunting. Did anybody notice like a super the buzzing, the low end of the soundtrack, like buzzing the shit out of your monitor, like no other movie? Yeah, like anytime the samurai tried to talk, you couldn't understand a fucking thing. Oh, he talked. Yeah, without I watched without, it twice. Without I subtitles, you would not know the samurai was. Because it's just anything. buzzing. Your monitor is just buzzing from the low end. Am I also the only one that picked up on like a weird like sexual spark between Sarah and Dolly? Hmm. Yes, I didn't notice that. Okay, Dolly was so overacted that I just every time she's on the screen, I was just like, I can't, Uncle I can't. Pete. Oh my God. Oh, yeah, you mentioned the acting being terrible. I thought the acting was great Are in you this. Kidding I thought this me? was good, low budget. Th- you know, this is the thing for me about this type of stuff. We watch a lot of like low budget 80s horror movies, but usually it's more along the lines of like My Bloody Valentine or The Prowler or something like that. And those movies are much more competently filmed than this. And they're more competently, quote unquote, acted and written than this. But sometimes for me, when you get into the low budget 
I almost prefer like no budget because sometimes those, those low budget movies that are like more competent than this, they're almost like, like they're trying to be something that they're not. They're trying to be competent and they're not really, they're stupid, like the burning or whatever. They're, they're terrible acting. It's all terrible. Um, but they're like trying to, you know, present as though there's more skill than there is where when you just have like no budget and you have like non-actors and you have some super high dude who never made another movie wandering around like i feel like sometimes like that unleashes like i don't know there's just something it's so crazy and it's so pure it's so unfettered that i kind of you know there's a certain point where i just want to even go lower and just get me into the craziest stuff and i thought all the acting was really good in this kathy Kathy was a great performance. Gary, great performance. Ka- you thought oh. Kathy had a great performance? Yeah, she was good. Are you high? No. Were you high watching this movie <laughs> no. also? She was so, oh, it was just so bad. Was it was I'm just gonna, so I'm bad. I'm going to pick The Burning soon because uh, it's a lot. You yeah. keep Overrated. trashing The Burning. Please. Overrated. Um, well, the thing about this movie is it had like crazy animation. Yeah, the drugs didn't stop after filming. They took that other uh, drugs right to post-production, <laughs> and they were like, what else can we do? Oh, more drugs? Uh, nobody thinks about calling any authorities, really, at any time. It's mentioned briefly mm-hmm. once, but nobody well, yeah, gives they have, much like, thought to it. random guy that's eviscerated. Um, oh, I guess, do the cops come out for that yeah, guy? They yeah, bring, they bring the authorities and, out, and, 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 and the authorities is. are like, oh, yeah, you found a random, you guys all had bow and arrows and guns, and you found this guy, like, eviscerated in the middle of the woods. Okay, have a good afternoon. We'll take the body away now. Um, kind of reminded me of Color Out of Space when the vehicles suddenly don't work. And then Gary has to take the horse into town. I would like to say uh, Hobo refers to a uh, a person who travels around and works, uh, yeah, I know. works I know their way around. To. Also, just, so does like Tramp. Sorry, I guess I should have said nomads around the campfire. Well, I'm just I saying. Hobos I don't, know. Is I don't think hobo is the worst word I could have ever used. I thought there was a great reveal at the very end of this. The whole movie, Kathy has been doing all these crazy paintings. That's all she does. And at at the end, they show like a couple of her abstract paintings. She was painting the samurai. Whoa, yeah. crazy. Awesome. Wow. I actually thought she was a good painter. I liked her. Uh, yeah. I, I liked her paintings. Yeah. I thought yeah. they were dope. The music in this is bonkers, too, actually. We haven't even touched on that. All the classical music and like love the score. I yeah. watched this. I watched this for the first time. I got home from uh, Memphis and I was delayed. It was like two o'clock in the morning or something. And I fell asleep, woke up at like 5 a.m. and couldn't couldn't go back to sleep so i put this on because i'd yet to watch it <laughs> i kept drifting in and out of sleep and it was the fucking soundtrack kept giving me like these wild dreams and i'd like open my eyes and be like what am i watching I'm like, oh blood beat why is there this like soothing classical music happening right now <laughs> i love the soundtrack it's it's just like everything else it's nonsensical it's disturbing it veers wildly from <laughs> yeah no, that does not match the tone of scenes <laughs> no like... not at all well, I'm I'm very this this is a, a much friendlier reception than I really expected to get. Um I, I was I thought, you know, we didn't talk that much this week on the thread and I was kind of starting to get the feeling that everybody was just lying in wait <laughs> to pounce on me tonight and rip me a new one and tell me it was the worst thing they ever saw. So I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I guess I won't push my luck too much more, but I think you should definitely check out Bloodbeat final words no no that you i mean now you're pushing it 